Recruitment Journeys is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. No matter what your recruitment journey is, whether it's contract, temp, exec search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner to help accelerate growth, speak to Vincere. Visit vincere.io forward slash mint for an exclusive offer for all subscribers of this podcast. Welcome to series two of Recruitment Journeys. This is the podcast series where we speak to selected identities of the Australian recruitment industry about their chosen career paths and their own recruitment journeys in the hope to inform, inspire and motivate others in the recruitment industry. My name is Pete Watson from Mint R2R and we've been placing recruiters into the UK, the US and Australia since 2004. So if you're a recruiter and you're thinking about your next career chapter or your future recruitment journey, and you just want to hear how others did it before you, then please sit back and enjoy Recruitment Journeys. Stella Concha is an inspiration. She started Rio Group back in 2009 with her husband Marcelo when she only had two years of recruitment experience. She forced herself to be successful through sheer will, determination and self-belief that came as a result of being so well-trained by Robert Half. What followed was a decade of learning on the job, getting it wrong, getting it right, getting it wrong again and getting it right again, but making sure that she embraced every failure and learnt from every one of them. Today, after 11 years of trading, Rio Group merged with Cox Pertel and the future looks very bright for Stella and for the brand new Rio Pertel. This is some story. Hope you enjoyed this podcast episode titled The Self-Taught Recruiter Who Went From Failure to Merger. Stella Concha from Rio Group. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Pete. I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. You look, you, you, Do you I look, look like <laughs> Um, Welcome to Recruitment Journeys, the podcast series. Thank you for being involved. Yeah, my pleasure. I've been waiting for this moment. Um, We're talking on a very exciting and significant day, Stella. Big, uh, big, big news in your world. Yes. Um, Let's just call it, for the time being, let's just call it the merger. It is the merger announcement day. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be able to share it with you. So by the time this podcast goes live, you will have announced to the, the Australian recruitment industry um, what it's all about. But we will we will certainly touch on it in this in this conversation. We'll come back to it. But it's a very significant and exciting milestone in your career and your life. It is. It's kind of like the beginning. It's not even the end of a chapter. It's the beginning of a new book. So oh, you know, we we closed a book yesterday and we're opening a new book today so Amazing. um and it's time... an auspicious person for me now pete because we're sharing this moment in I'm... this moment in time i know it's, it's how awesome. lucky <laughs> well look at it and it look it ties in very beautifully with with what we're going to talk about today so the podcast stella it's called recruitment journeys and um as it says on the tin i've got to think of a new way to say as it says on the tin that's getting a bit old but as it says on the tin it is 
your recruitment journey and it's uh it's it's yeah it's cool that we're talking to you at such a, an interesting point of your recruitment journey but it takes us from the beginning of your career to this new chapter not the end of your career but this new chapter so we're going to talk about about all that um, and what we do Stella we kind of put everybody in a in a, in a box in a category we give we give you a title and for the purpose of this uh, this podcast conversation we're going to call you the self-taught recruiter who went from failure to merger. Yeah, well, that's pretty, pretty accurate. I reckon it's one of my coolest titles to date. Um, <laughs> and I should say, I should say, we, I use the word failure with, with not only your permission, but your suggestion. Um, right. Now, look, I've already given the, the listeners uh, an introduction into, into who you are, Stella, but in your own words, who are you? Well, look, apart from being the, the CEO of Rio Group, I'm an Aussie-born Cypriot, uh, originally born and bred in Newcastle. I've been living in Sydney for most of my professional career. Mother of two, been self-employed for about 80% of my life, and I've got two massive addictions, F45, and anything to do with self-mastery. Okay, F45, I'm also, uh -huh. I'm also a member of that cult. Um, yep. And they opened yesterday in Melbourne. Okay. And I went there yesterday for the first time in six months. Did you feel alive? I did feel alive yesterday. Yeah. But yeah. today, I couldn't even feed my dogs. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get down to feed the dogs. Oh. so stiff. It's the best. Uh, it's pretty good, isn't it? It's the best. I mean, I, mean, I, I go at 5, 5.30 every morning and oh. I don't even think about it anymore. I'm just there. 5.30? It's how I start my day. I love it. Blimey, that's uh, that's that's unnecessary. Five thirty. Well, when you got when you got two kids, Pete, when else are you going to do it? I'm not going to do it at night. I've got to do you know homework and cooking, and you know you've got to do it before work hours. Otherwise, you just don't do it. You get up, do F forty five, and go back home to wake your kids up. That's right. That's impressive. That's impressive. Mm. Well, you tell my guys. husband that. You need to tell my husband that. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's an insight into your personality already, but let's um, <laughs> let's go back to where it all began, Stella. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. start all of these conversations in the same way. Could you please uh, tell us how and why you broke into the wonderful world of recruitment? Um, I'll take a step back. I, I always thought I wanted to be a doctor and I worked pretty hard uh, during my formative years at school to get into medicine. Um, got into a pre-med degree, I ducked that degree, did really well, completed my internship here at Westmead Hospital. That's what brought me from Newcastle to Sydney, actually, my internship year. And um, during that internship year, I realised that medicine wasn't going to be right for me. It was actually a complete disconnect with my personality. I like to get close to people and medicine asks you to be quite distant to people. And um, mum got cancer in that year as well. And it was a real challenge for me to be able to work in a hospital and have my mum ill. Um, during that time, I was also retraining myself in neuro-linguistic programming, which is all around mind mastery and the connection of the mind-body. And so what happened was mum got cancer um, and I quit the day that she got her news. I just quit, just put in my resignation. Mm -hmm. And I had, you know, I had no other skills apart from the, the you know, what I call kind of the core mechanical skills that I had. And I went and took care of my mum in Newcastle. And then I started my first business, which was called Mind Connection. And Mind Connection was all about treating people with, you know, different medical disorders at the level of their mind. Because I believe like when your mind's not in order, it kind of manifests in your body. Um, and that business was in Balmain and that business was a complete failure. 
Uh, so I lost thousands of dollars in that business. I ran it for a few years and I was kind of spending more money, um, spending more money than I was earning. Um, and what I learned in that business is I learned that I wasn't a business person. I hadn't really understood what business was about. I understood what medicine was about and what the, you know, the patient connection was, but I didn't understand business. Um, so from that kind of failure, I bumped into Johnson and Johnson, which was a repping job yeah. and um, no one would hire me. Like I, I didn't really have the skills to do anything else, but get into medical repping. And I did that for two years and I just felt like a glorified um like a glorified coffee runner. I felt it wasn't right for me. And then I saw his ad on, on, on Seek, which said, recruitment consultant, on target earnings, $250,000, Robert Half. And I was 25. I knew nothing about business. I knew nothing about corporate. I had come out of medicine. And I said to Marcelo, who we were living together and engaged at that time, I said, check out this job. Recruitment consultant, look how much they earn. I'm going to go and apply for that. Did you did you have any clue what the job? No, nothing. I had no idea. Like I was stupid, you know, no idea. And you know, with my innocence rocked up, and they hired me. And I knew nothing about finance because it was a finance and accounting recruitment agency. But I think what they saw was what we all see in recruiters is, do you have the uh, do you have the X factor? Can can you communicate? Can you connect with humans and understand them? And if you can do that, you can be, you can create a recruiter. And you know the rest is history. And they were they were a brand new. They were they were almost a startup in in, in, in Australia back then, weren't they? You know what? I have no idea. I applied for one job and I got it. So you know, yeah. I have no idea. All I knew is that I I had nothing when I started. You know, I was earning kind of fifty grand. You know, at at the hospital I was. 36 plus super, 36,000 plus super. You know, when we hear our parents talk about when I was your age, I was only earning 20 grand. That's me talking to my kids now. Okay. And in fact, that's... <laughs> so tell me, so, so you just, okay, so you arrived at Robert Half and they, they, they saw something in you. <clears throat> did, it, did it click? Were you, were you instantly good at it? Yeah. You were instantly good at re recruitment. Yeah, and, and I reflect on why and it's the human understanding. Yeah. It's the ability to sit in front of a candidate and connect and understand who they are, not what they want or what they tell you they want, but who they are. And that's my, I believe that's my patient care training, my medical training. And I think the other thing that helped me with Robert Half, you know, the startup, you know, the, the rookie career was, I had run my own business before. So I knew what it was like to start something from scratch, which is essentially what every rookie has to do. And the second thing was medical repping. You rock up to doctor's surgeries and you try and sell a drug to them. They don't want to see you, but you've got to front up. And it's similar to um, door knocking, you know, sales knocking on a door. It's exactly the same. Mm. So when I reflect back, I think, well, actually, you know, I probably had the sales skills, but never really gave myself kind of homage to that mm. um, in the formative years. But, you know, my first 12 months at Robert Half was pretty successful. I became their Asia Pac number one recruiter within 12 months. And, you know, the billings were really strong, obviously, but uh -huh. the times were strong. Like, you know, that's pre-GFC. Remember, you could ring everyone, anyone and someone would give you a job. Yeah. Okay. All right. So th this, is, this is where it gets interesting. So 
You were with Robert Half for only two years before you started or decided to start Rio Group. Yeah. Now, um, I think I speak on behalf of 98% of recruiters out there, including myself. So when I think about myself at two years into recruitment, I was useless. I, I, just, I just didn't really, the penny hadn't dropped. I wasn't really achieving anything. Uh, I was fumbling around. I was not equipped to, um, to take on a new desk, let alone start a new business. Uh, clearly, you've, you found an early aptitude for it. But what gave you the, the, the courage to believe that you could go and start your own recruitment business with only two years recruitment experience? Was it genius or was it crazy? No, it wasn't genius and it wasn't crazy. You know, the GFC hit and I found myself in a predicament, actually, where I didn't feel connected from a vision perspective and from a values perspective with the organisation I was working with. And to some degree, I was given no option. Mm. And I'm grateful for that because the experience that I had during that time wasn't good. And I've written about it in my first book, Legacy, and, and it's something that's driven me personally as a leader to make sure that I've created environments where, um, that are really sustainable, first of all, for females, um, but second of all, for people to, to thrive. Um, and, and I did shop around, like I did look for other jobs, but I said to my husband at the time, see Marcelo, I think some, you know, really quite a lot of my success you know, as a recruiter has come from my husband, Marcelo, you know, he's my other half yep. and he's a businessman. And I said to him, I said, listen, I want to stay in recruitment. I love this. Would you go into business with me? Because there's no way that I would have been able to do it by myself. And I think it's really important to note that, you know, part of the success of this organisation is very much him because this is his fifth business, not his first, second, third, fourth, his fifth. He's a businessman. And I think if it wasn't for having a business partner that knew how to set up operating systems, set up IT systems, the infrastructure, the finance, I wouldn't have been able to just do what I do good, which is recruitment. And we know from recruitment journeys that you need someone operational. If you're a good recruiter, you can't focus on the operational side, otherwise you'll lose the edge of what got you good in the first place. And we, we started with that model. Mm. So how long was it, so obviously Marcelo said yes, how, how long was it, uh, how long did you guys operate just as the two of you? Not long. Um, so I resigned from, from Robert Half and I saw out my six month non-compete. I was, you know, I, no, I want to note that because I think, I mean, nowadays we don't really see non-competes coming into play, right, because of the laws. But I did sit out my non-compete. And I didn't touch anyone. I didn't make one phone call. And I was very young. I was only 25. And I was scared, so scared that I'd get, you know, I had PIs on me, that they'd sue me. You know, I didn't want to, right? I didn't want to play with fire. But we incorporated Rio Group about three months after I left um, Robert Half. And um, I had been speaking with Ragath, who I had previously placed in his first job out of Deloitte into capital finance. And he said, I know you've left Robert Half. Um, I, I need to talk to you as a friend. Can we catch up? And I said, yeah, yeah, we can catch up. And he said, I don't know what you're doing, but whatever you're doing, I want to join. I said, I'm going to start a recruitment agency. He goes, would you hire me? I said, yeah, I'll teach you recruitment. 
He goes, okay. So he resigned from his job before we even gave him a contract. And he started with us six weeks into the company starting. Mm. And that's really important because we've built this business together, Raghav and I. Um, but also he, he just had trusted um, Marcelo and I. I just Sometimes I look back and I thought, geez, we were rookies. Sometimes you do good business off the back of the smell of an oily rag. Like you don't need contracts. Sometimes good business is done over a handshake and it's long business, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, six weeks, okay. and I think six weeks after that, hired number three, number 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 two employee. Wow! And was it all organic, self-funded growth? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when so Marcelo and I, we were we were living in a little one bedder in Strathfield. We had a small mortgage, and he had a bit of debt in his other business that he sold. So when we started Rio, we were actually we had no, neither of us had an income. There was no money coming in, none. And um, we had debt because we had a mortgage and um, we put money into the business to start it. I mean, we started in a professional office. We started with assets. We, we spent money. And when I look back at that, we just had absolute conviction that this was going to work. There was, no, there was no fear around, is this not going to work? This is going to work. We, we're starting this and this is happening. This is our life now. And, and I think the universe reciprocated with as much conviction back because I think I picked up my first job on day one and I closed it on day five. Wow. And that was a dual close with Aldi and Revlon. So they were both invoice number 0001. So we don't have zero invoice number two. We just cut straight to number three. There's, a, there's, there's so much of this story, which is, which is crazy. I mean, 25 years old, two years in recruitment. Yeah. In business with your husband. Oh no, nuts. Because lots of people go into business because they know that their husband or their wife or partner is, is bringing in a steady salary. Um, when, when, you, um, when you look back at that time, when you think about where your head was, was it, was it just a really exciting time? Was it fun or were you terrified the whole time? You know, I, I just love, yeah, Robert Half gave me so much confidence because they taught me a tool, a trade, that I want to teach the world, which is how to recruit and how to make money. Mm. And they, they taught that to me, you know, they taught me that. And I had come out of medicine, like that's not, you, you don't get taught those skills, right? And, you know, one thing that I talk to rookies about when they come in is, you know, come and, come and learn recruitment. I'll teach you that no matter where you are in your life, you'll know how to turn it around. If the economy turns and you lose your job, I'll teach you the skills. Mm. that'll get you out of that strife and that's what recruitment teaches and that's what Robert Half taught me so I didn't have fear you know because I was taught well mm. so this was all 10 years ago and 11 uh, 11. 11 years ago and, yeah. and obviously we're going to come we're going to come to the very significant milestone that's <clears> happened, <throat> uh, only announced to the industry today um, and we, we obviously can't talk about and dissect a full, a full decade of, of Rio group history but um, I love it when people acknowledge the fact that, yeah, failure exists in our lives and failure is a, is a very healthy thing and we, and we learn from failure and it's, it's, it's very important. It's, it's as important, if not, if not more important than success. What were the early failures that you experienced as a, as a, as a, as a rookie entrepreneur or, or what were the challenges that you experienced that, that, that blindsided you that you didn't expect? Um, well, first of all, like my looking back, my appetite for failure now is 
kind of there. Like I've realised that failure is our best friend. Mm. Without failure, there is no growth. Without failure, there is no learning. And, you know, I wish I was taught that when I was a younger kid. Um, I'm going to teach that to my kids. That's the only way we learn and grow. Yeah. And I've only learnt about recruitment and how to be a leader and how to be an entrepreneur through just heaps of failure. Um, so some of the, the earlier failures probably around leadership was around, um, and I, I say they're failures because I just didn't know. It was kind of like, you know, when it comes to leadership and leading people, I didn't know. I've never been taught. I've never... I've never worked for someone that's taught me fair process leadership or, you know, the, the political power within change or um, how, to, how to identify culture issues and gaps and how to move them. I've never learned any of that from any human. I've had to go and learn it through failure. So I guess that the first big, you know, thing I've learned is around leadership and around people. Um, I had heaps of turnover in the business in the beginning, you know, obviously, and then that really diminished to only 10% um, just prior to COVID or prior to, you know, the devastation that we've just seen now. Mm. Um, and the next big um, learning that I've had from failure is that, geez, it happens all the time. Hmm. It doesn't stop, you know, like the moments... The moments of failure don't stop. Like they're like the waves in a sea. Like just, like just they just keep coming. It just one comes, and then you ride that one, and then you think you're happy because you've just gotten over that big problem, mm. and then the next one comes. And it's the attitude now. What I've realised is, you know, even through this merger, is yeah, this is a high that we're on today. But there's the next big waves coming, and then the next waves coming after that, and it's the attitude of being able to say, well. The more I feel comfortable with challenge and failure, the more waves I can ride. And then I become the surfer of the waves. They, they just come and, you know, we just ride over them. And then life becomes more enjoyable because, you know, we stop kind of losing ourselves in the challenge and we just start going, this is one, there's another one coming and another one coming. So how do we create joy through this process? That's been my biggest learning. Mm. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's, uh, and, and, and sometimes... sometimes Sometimes we don't learn from the first failure. Um, sometimes you know, we'll, we'll make that, well, I'm speaking about myself here. Sometimes I'll make the same mistake two or three times um, before finally the penny drops, but then it's in, it's locked in. And um, yeah, so as you say, you know, it doesn't matter how long we're on this planet or in this job, the next one's around the corner. <laughs> the other thing is, is like people's judgment of you. Like in recruitment, we worry a lot about what people think of us. That's our, that's our industry. There's a lot of bravado. And um, I found that really difficult in the beginning because I didn't definitely didn't have the support of the industry when I started Rio. Um, there was a lot of, let's see this, let's see this young girl fail. Um, and that, I had to shut that out. I had to be quite stone-hearted with that. Um, otherwise my family wouldn't survive. And um, I think that worrying about the judgment of others is, is you know, something that has taken me time to get over. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I'm nearly 40, right? So I don't really worry anymore just because I'm older. But it's definitely something that I'm going to teach my two young girls about, you know. Just, how to det so go on. Yeah, just how to detach from the opinions of other people's perspective of you. Yeah. Because if I worried about what someone else thought of me, 
then I would be living my life through their lens and therefore they are living my life and therefore they are controlling me. I'm not in control. So this is the self-mastery stuff that I was talking to you about. Like, you know, throwing myself into this kind of psychology and understanding that was really important to me to kind of move through the challenges that I was facing in the formative years of the business. Do you, do you not think the industry is changing though? Uh, and and um, we, we are becoming much more thoughtful, sensitive, empathetic, understanding, compassionate recruiters. Um, sit to what it was 10 years ago, where it was all about shiny cufflinks and shiny shoes and compendiums strutting around the city, everybody trying to look slicker and sound louder than, than the next recruiter. I think it's changed a bit. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's changing. And I think it's people um, like yourself, Pete, with the work that you do that's helping that change by, by bringing kind of the truth you know, what the, what the industry is about or what the truth of, you know, what recruitment's all about. Mm. Um, I, I think it's changing, but I think what can help it change even more is having a deeper focus from an organisational perspective around people and culture and providing career pathways for recruiters. Because career pathways is not really something that SME recruitment agencies can provide. It's something that the really big agencies provide. Mm. And often that comes with the shiny cufflinks and the compendium. So mm. it's being able to understand, well, how do we create career pathways in our very grounded SME boutique agency network? Mm. Mm. Okay. All right, cool. So um, you learned the hard way. You were self-taught. Rio, Rio trucked on. Um, Pre-COVID, or at your peak, how, how big was, was Rio Group? Just shy of 20. 20, okay. I think just we shy had 20 19, okay. yeah, at the beginning of the issue. <clears throat> okay, so um, the business Which became, is not big, yeah. No, but, but you know, still a, still a, a significant business. And, and that, that brings us to, to the here and now and the, uh, the, the, the hot news off the press, Stella. Uh, I feel like I, I, I probably shouldn't, yeah make the announcement on your behalf because it's not really my, my, my news to make. But could you tell us, we've referred to the merger, could you tell us what the merger relates to, please? Yeah, so as of uh, today, we're making the public announcement to the market that um, Cox, Pertel and Rio Group have merged uh, to become a new entity called Rio Pertel. So uh, the backstory with that is about a year ago, we were we were looking around we were looking at growth. So we had a really clear 2021 strategy that had a revenue target and had a diversification target um, and a number of other things that we wanted to achieve by 2021. One of those activities was to hire, hire a learning and development consultant that could work in-house to train up rookies so we could grow our organisation's asset being our people so we could diversify and et cetera. You know how organic growth works. And that went well. So we doubled in size and then COVID smacked us in the face. Mm. I mean, I had two big black eyes and a bloody nose, probably so did you. Um, and then that went, that just went, went to shit. All of the investment that we made and we made a lot of investment yeah. just went overnight. And then, um, but at the same time we were looking at M&A you know, we were looking at different companies that we could acquire. So we did acquire one company um, a couple of months ago, TDR Group. Yeah. Um, and TDR is the, the director and owner of TDR is Joel Adams. Joel used to work at Rio and I hit him up a couple of months ago and I said, listen, here, I've come back and this is what I envisage doing with Cox Patel. And so he went, yep, I'm in on that journey. And um, 
with Cox Patel, I mean, they are in every industry we're not in. Yeah. We don't have one overlapping customer. So when we did the financial and the kind of legal due diligence, we went back two years, we don't have one overlapping customer. And I just said to James, James, look at this as an opportunity. What do you reckon? And he's like, it's funny you said that, Stella, because we've been looking at the same thing. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, we've been on a, like an M&A journey for about three, four years. And I said, well, I tell you what, I don't want to be the owner of Rio Group for another 10 years. I've just done 10 and I've done the last, the 11th year in COVID. Mm. I said, I want to share this with someone. I want to grow my business and I don't need to grow it organically. I want to, you know, I want to experience something different. You know, I'm turning 40 next year. I want to know what it's like to be part of, be a smaller, you know, owner of a bigger fish. I want to know what it's like to maybe float a business, maybe go through a trade sale, maybe just grow it to something really big where I can learn from a great CEO that we employ. Like this is about learning and growing. I don't want to do the same thing over and over again. You can't eat the same food every day. Yeah. I mean, we're married, right? We're with the same man every day or the same woman every day. You can't have the same job every day. You can't have the same food every day. So I wanted that change. Anyway, I was sitting on a panel with Greg Savage and Nikki Beaumont and I think it was about growth, right? The RCSA. And um, I'm smiling because I know the story that's coming. It's a pretty cool story. <laughs> like someone goes to me at the end, there was a Q&A series at the end and someone says, oh, Stella, I'm interested to know what do you see for the, the recruitment industry? What do you see is the future? And I said, we need to consolidate. There's too many small players and they're making great money as individuals, you know, earners, but we cannot create sustainable businesses like that because there's the cost to serves going up because everyone's got their own footprint and also we're not creating career pathways for recruiters which is ultimately the issue that's causing 50 percent turnover in the industry globally mm. so we've got to consolidate we've got to do what pwc have done we've got to do what deloitte's done what instant young's done we've got to consolidate and then i look at james in the audience i said james for example you and I should merge and we should become Rio Pertel. And he looked at me and then I pulled this him aside. Publicly, you say this publicly. Publicly, yeah, publicly. <laughs> and then he looked at me, he went, oh. And then I pulled him aside at the end of that and I said, listen, I'm serious. <laughs> like, I, I'm looking at M&A opportunities. I'm looking at other people that we can merge with. I know you do everything we don't do. Do you want to have a chat about this? He goes, yeah. So we started the process. COVID hit. We stopped. Yeah. We stopped for four months because we both needed to just focus on survival yeah. and getting through this. And then in August we started again. So essentially, it's taken from August till now okay. to do the full due diligence, and we're here. Here we are, new business. So on on paper, it all fits perfectly. I get that. How do you? I'm fascinated to know. You obviously knew James in the market. James knew you in the market, but you weren't. Were you, were you, were you friends? Did you know each other no. well? Okay. No. So how do you explore? Uh, how do you explore the the kind of leadership compatibility? How do you know it's there? I mean, do you still do you today know <laughs> that it's, that it's going to work, or do you still think a bit of a risk there? Um, we took a step before that. We actually saw whether we we fit as families. Yeah. So the first meeting was families meeting actually so meeting his wife and his children he met obviously knew marcelo but but our children we had a, a whole day as families together and we got to know each other as humans because you know what we're in small business and we're in private business and that needs to make sense first the leadership comes second if your values align then you can do business just like when when ragav 
left his job to start with an agency that was a freshie. Like this is where we started. So this was a handshake agreement from, from August. And it's been a really easy process to align on decisions like the governance framework, to align on things like our board structure, because we're fundamentally very similar people in how we want to live our life. So the vision was aligned in terms of our personal life and, and our values. And then the rest is business. The rest needs to make good business sense. So overnight, um, you become Rio Pertel. Um, what, 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 what does the business look like when, when, when you merge in? What, what will it be January, Feb, or is it? Yeah, so we've started the people merging side already, um, but the PLs will merge as of the 1st of January, which means that we'll be trading under one bank account as of the 1st of January. So we've got a whole, whole, whole raft of things that need to happen between now and then. Um, and we envisage that the actual integration of the merger will be completed by the end of the financial year because M&A takes time, you know, and we have employed a change director to actually lead us through this process because we've got, you know, I'm not a change person. I recruit them, but I'm not one. Mm. Um, and, and we're going to employ kind of, you know, fair process leadership in all the decision making that we make. So we're going to get our people involved in work through workshopping our new vision, our new vision, our new behaviours. Um, you know, we've got we've we've got an employee share scheme um, that we're putting in place as well. So anyone that's starting with us at the beginning of this process has shares in the business, and then we've put together a percentage of um, equity away for future people as well. So when you think about it, although it's a 50-50 merger, we're actually going to be diluting our shares over a period of time to allow for our people to come up the ranks and have ownership in the business, because this is how we're going to succession ourselves to our next position. Mm. How many people will the business, the two businesses be combined? Um, so we're 25 now, and that's kind of after COVID, and we're, all, we're both growing now, although, you know, we, 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 we have quite a few people wanting to join already, um, and we've got pretty aggressive growth plans because now as a merged entity, the economics of the back end is really positive. It means that we've got the capex to actually grow, mm. um, which is a great outcome as a result of us just coming out of COVID now. Do you pinch yourself um, when you when you consider the fact that within within 10 years, you've gone from rookie recruiter, rookie startup, rookie entrepreneur to, to, to merger of two very significant and well-known brands in the Sydney marketplace? Um, yeah, I'm just grateful. Like, I'm just, I just want to remain grounded and grateful for this moment. Um, I know there's lots of failures on the way. You know? um, I just don't want to get to the end of my life and have just worked hard. I just want to enjoy these moments, you yeah. know, because I said to Marcelo the other day, I don't really need anything more. I don't need a new car, new house. I don't need assets in my life. I just want time to share love and to experience new things and learn. You know, that's all I want from my life now. And I look at this as just another big learning mm. and an opportunity to contribute. So, yeah, I guess I do pinch myself. What advice would you give uh, Stella Concha 
uh, 11 years ago when you were walking out of the doors of Robert Half? I would say, young lady, this is going to be really tough. Don't, un don't underestimate how tough this is going to be. And every single hurdle that you jump, I want to let you know that you're going to become stronger and you're going to become more confident. And as you become stronger and more confident, you're going to enjoy the journey more. So the further you go, the more joy you will receive. So keep going. How much of your drive comes from setting what is clearly a wonderful example to your two daughters? It's there. Yeah. It's there. And, you know, they're only young. They're only six and eight. Yeah. And I, um, I want them to be complete with who they are. Mm. I don't envisage them being, I don't have aspirations for my children to be, you know, named people, rich people, anything like that. Mm. But I want them to be able to be complete and, and um, solid in who they are as humans. And that's all I want for myself. And that's all I want for, for the people that I interact with. Because I think when we can look in the mirror and be complete, it doesn't matter what we've achieved or what failures we have or, you know, how much grey hair we have. I mean, I'm so grey at the moment. It's okay. It's embrace, okay. Embrace you the, the grey. Right, well, look, let's um, clearly... <clears throat> most recruitment businesses are just thinking, right, shit, let's go through COVID and cross our fingers that 2021 is going to be okay. Um, you've got a very different agenda. Let's, let's, let's fast forward, I don't know, let's fast forward six months, all the paperwork's taken care of. Um, they found a vaccine, the sun's shining, Trump's gone. What does the next five years look like for, for Rio Pertel? Are you going to come to Melbourne? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a logical question I should well, ask. Well, it depends on how good your database is, Pete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> yeah, look, we've we've got we've got some pretty ambitious plans. Um, first of all, it's sector of well, actually, first of all, it's cross-selling into each other's customers. I can't wait to get my fingers into government. I can't wait to get my fingers into you know um, hotel customer base. You know, I'm I'm excited about that. Excites me. That's just delicious for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, the second thing is diversification, healthcare. Um, we've got you know few cogs in the pipeline in healthcare and human services, logistics operations. We just need to round out that in our, in our you know, insurance, financial services. And I think from there, I'd be interested to see how we could, you know, expand into new, uh, in, um, across Australia without expanding our footprint. I mean, for me, this is about how can we be a digital, digitally successful, digitally strategic agency that can, you know, leverage things like Zoom and, you know, minimise footprint, maximise output. I mean, these are the things I'm thinking about. Mm, exciting, exciting. Yeah. I think the futures, I think the next couple of years are exciting for, for all of us. Uh, everybody who's got through this, uh, this, this just shitstorm, we, we deserve some yeah. upside. And, uh, you know, your, your, your next chapter is more exciting than most. But... Um, you deserve it. Stella, you're an inspiration. That was, uh, it's an inspirational story for, for, for several reasons. It just shows how, how hard you can, or sorry, how far you can get if you uh, work hard, right? If you work hard and don't stop.
Don't stop if there's a failure. Don't stop if someone gives you bad news or if someone doesn't like you or gives you negative feedback on LinkedIn or negative feedback on something that you've done. That's just another wave. And trust me, there's another one. There's another bazillion of them coming. Let them come. Stella, thank you so much. Congratulations on the merger. Thank you. Great news, exciting news. And I wish you, you the best of good fortune for the next, uh, the next 12 months. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. I appreciate Cheers, Stella. it. Take care. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to the Recruitment Journeys podcast. Really hope you enjoyed it. Now, while we're passionate about bringing inspirational recruitment stories to our network via this podcast series, Recruitment to Recruitment is our bread and butter and our day job. So if you are a recruiter thinking about your next career chapter, which coincidentally forms part of your recruitment journey, see what I did there? We're always keen to have confidential discussions with recruiters about what's going on in the market. So please feel free to contact me in the strictest of confidence on 0432-666-701 or email pete at mintrecruitmentgroup.com. Thank you.